Hey, welcome. It is eight minutes after the hour. Gary on Guns, welcome. Glad to have you on board with us. Megan is in from Black Rifle. Good morning. Good morning. I see you brought in a couple of uh, really neat... Uh, one of these is really caught my eye. Uh, it, it, we'll talk about those in the second hour, but I'm, I'm once again, uh, confronted with drool-worthy firearms. <laughs> hey, I try and bring those for yeah, you. And we appreciate it. You know what I also like about Black Rifle? When you guys bring something in uh, ten minutes after showtime, it's at Black Rifle. Yep. You can actually buy them, uh, and that's kind of neat, too. So we'll uh, we'll get into these uh, shortly. You did not come alone. Who? With whom did you come? I brought friends. You brought friends? Oh, come on. Nobody. You don't, you don't have <laughs> I actually it. claim them. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I've got Pete and Doc from Rooster Industries here with me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, there Brian. We go. Good morning. <laughs> I've missed that. Uh, yeah, I bet you did. What? Um, what's going on with you guys? I haven't seen you guys in... in Probably we, a year and a half, two years. A year, yeah. Yeah, we have been uh, pretty busy training, doing a lot of private lessons, doing some training with uh, the Law Enforcement Training Institute, which is the right local, around the corner. Here. Yeah, right around the corner, the local academy here. We're we're adjunct instructors with them, uh, so we've been doing a lot with that and working on certifications for ourselves and growing our business and growing our footprint. So yeah, been been a happy, somewhat successful what year and a half since we've been on. Yeah. Uh, you've told me about some of your plans. I don't know that you're ready to divulge them, but no, pretty, yet, pretty soon, pretty soon. Well, though. We may you. have, uh, yeah, we may it'll have cost a- you because yeah. I, because I, you know, for money, I won't mention it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll work that out before. The- <laughs> Brian, we're we're gonna be rich, pal. <laughs> Blackmail works every time. Uh, there was a a story in the news, and I, and I know we've all seen the videos, and it was uh, police officers in New York City, and Brian tells me this actually started in Atlanta. Um, but in the videos that we saw were from New York City, and there were police officers being accosted by uh, citizens with buckets of water. And I thought that was bad enough. In fact, uh, my admonishment to local law enforcement here in Missouri is beware, because this is the kind of stupidity that spreads. Yeah. And it's a dangerous idea. Even the bucket of water, I think, is a, a dangerous idea, because you don't know what's in that bucket when they throw it at you. Is there acid in there? Is there yeah. a brick in with the water? Um, it's just, you really, it's just one more thing for law enforcement to be careful of. But the video that really disturbed me was kids in the neighborhood who, um, using squirt guns were squirting the police officers. Yeah. Yeah. And that is really kind of a scary thing for me because as a former police officer and as a law enforcement trainer, uh, you have such a incredibly short span of time to make a decision that could potentially affect so many lives forever and, and be a very permanent decision. That, you know, that decision, do I use deadly force, do I not? And if you turn around, and some of these squirt guns, some of these pellet guns uh, are incredibly realistic looking. And you have zero time to make a, deci- a decision. Anyone who thinks that you can tell the difference between, you know, an airsoft clone of a legitimate firearm and an actual firearm, you're fooling yourself. When you're under that amount of stress, when you're driven to make a decision that fast, you cannot take the time to identify because it could potentially cost you your life. Yeah, you could fractions of a second. Megan, you were you and I were talking about. Uh an incident that happened in my hometown back in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, where a young boy who was a pretty good size uh, was spotted in a park uh, with a firearm, or at least that's what they, the police were told 
Uh, mm-hmm. It was a firearm. Uh, they went over there, and uh, I think the, this kid turned and pointed this firearm, or at least what they thought was, at the police. And the police responded, having a fraction of a second, yep. uh, by shooting this kid, and they killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was uh, it was a pretty ugly story, because it was really a young kid. And you had a reporter that apparently came into your... Um, your building? Uh, yeah. Um, we were contacted to see if we would, you know, kind of help inform her on the differences between, like, an airsoft clone and a true firearm. So, that's exactly what we did. We went and got some uh, airsoft pistols and laid out a, a gambit for her on the counter and said, glance down, glance back up. Can you tell what's what's real and what's not? And she said no. Uh, Brian just uh, sent me to a... a a story here out of Atlanta, a self-organized movement dubbed uh, Guns guns Down, Water Guns Up has spread to several cities in Georgia and over the next week is poised to branch out into other states. On social media, various organizers stated that the goal is to bring people together in public spaces and put a stop to gun-related violence while having fun specifically while using water guns. The events are attracting youth as well as adults and are bringing people together across various neighborhoods and uh, and local towns. You know, I, I, you know, and, and it sounds like a very noble goal. Um, and if that is the outcome, if you do decrease uh, firearms-related violence and gang violence, and you bring communities together, and you have that kind of community building and and those interactions that help make the world a safe a safer place. Okay, I'm all for it. The problem is when those type of events get out of hand and people stop obeying the law. Um, you you know some places have. Uh, requirements to get a permit to to hold events like that. And if you don't get a permit, well, you're technically in violation of the law. I'm not saying that it's going to be, you know, SWAT teams lining the street to make you go home. Um, But those type of situations can so quickly escalate. So, you know, you want to have a community outreach program like that. Okay, it's a very noble sentiment, but you have to do it. um, You you have to obey the law when you do it. There's no other option. Well, I don't want to sound like a cynic, uh, and I'm sure their goals are laudable. But I don't think this is going to make a, a bit of difference because I don't think anybody who's attending this. I guess I, I guess I should have started with that. I, I don't really <laughs> think that it's going to make that big of a difference either. Yeah, uh, the people, noble sentiment, noble goal. I don't think it's going to work. The people who are attending this event are going to be people who probably wouldn't go out and shoot their neighbor anyway. Yeah. yeah. I don't see a lot of crack dealers and gangbangers, uh, you know, interrupting interrupting their extracurricular activities to go shoot at each other with water guns. Yeah, hey guys, let's uh, put down the ARs and uh, and uh, let's pick up a grab some super soakers. Yeah, Yeah. right. Somebody told me uh, last uh, sometime during the week when this originally popped up that somebody had taken a super soaker and put in a shotgun. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be that hard. It wouldn't be that hard to do. Some some of these shotguns are like, like the what I think Megan's actually brought in before, like the shock waves mm-hmm. and whatnot. They're so small and so compact, and some of these super soakers are so huge. big. Yeah, it wouldn't be that hard to deconstruct one and throw a real gun in there. Imagine thinking you're looking at a super soaker, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, it's not. Uh, that that would just be a, a. I would argue. Well, yeah, and Doc mentioned earlier. You know, another problem with. Uh, squirt guns and and replicas and pellet guns 
you know, when we were kids, it was, okay, it's got an orange tip. So you can tell whether or not it's real. Well, then people, then, then people started painting the orange tip to make it look realistic. And then it swung the other direction where criminals started painting an orange tip on live firearms. So that cops are now even more confused. Is it real? Is it not? And uh, creativity is... It's out there. It's not that hard to hide a live gun in plain sight. I don't want because I'm older than all of you. Probably put together. <laughs> I don't know really, about that. Really irritates the hell out of me to think of that. But when I was a kid, and Brian can uh, perhaps jump in on this. I remember that squirt guns were like a kind of a clear orange or an opaque mm-hmm. orange. Yeah. yeah, and you yeah. could even see the water level right through it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, they there weren't a lot of really realistic looking mm-hmm. squirt guns. Uh, but today, they're doing a hell of a job. It's, I mean, it's off. a multi-million dollar industry to make toys that are as realistic looking as possible. That's the goal, is to make them look as real as possible. And, you know, there's the, what do they call it, Milsim or the Airsoft? Mil- Milsim, and, yeah. Yeah. There's a whole uh, sort of subculture sport where people put on... What what I refer to as full battle rattle, camouflage, armor, helmets, uh, gloves, packs, airsoft guns that look incredibly realistic. And they go out to uh, commercial facilities that cater to paintball and airsoft, and they have full-on battles. But at a glance, aside from some of the safety equipment that's required, uh, you can't tell one of these guys from... Uh, a SWAT officer or someone in the military or, you know, carrying a live weapon. Well, communities across the country have been trying to come up with ways to deal with this. And I think we'll kind of kick that around, see if you guys have any ideas on how to make sure that law enforcement are safe uh, and that kids are safe uh, when they're playing with firearms. Is there a solution? We'll find out next. Gary Nolan, Gary and Guns. Zimmer Radio Network. It's 23 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. So there is a problem in that uh, children are getting guns, uh, toy guns. Some of them are squirt guns. Some of them are cap guns, whatever. Um, And they look like real guns. Uh, And this poses a threat for them as well as for law enforcement. Uh, And conversely, when you do things like paint the tip of the gun orange, bad guys have the opportunity to paint the tip uh, of their real guns orange. Uh, so that law enforcement think, oh, it's a toy gun, uh, when in fact it's real. Is there a solution to the problem? Uh, and so I'm, I'm going to start with Megan. Do you see a, an easy solution to this problem? No. Very good, Megan. <laughs> Thank you for... Boy, you know, she's eaten up so much time, I don't know if we'll be able to get your, yeah, your answers in. Pete? Uh, no, I don't think there is an easy answer. My my knee-jerk reaction is always to go to more education is always more better. Um, you know, More better. Yeah, more better. <laughs> Let me mark that down. Uh-huh. Yeah, write that one down. Class, add that to the lexicon. More better. Okay. Yeah, more education, more better. Uh, so the problem that I see, though, is that for people like me, Doc, we have children, but we also have a very high level of education when it comes to firearms. And most parents don't. Most average American families don't have anywhere near the level of expertise that, that we sort of, by default, go to. And so if you have a parent that doesn't know anything about gun safety, how are they going to then teach that to their children? Well, Doc, you don't really have to be a gun wizard, do you, to, to say if you see a gun... Uh, don't 
Pardon me. I, you think I would learn? <laughs> yeah. How did I turn my ringer off? Yes. <clears throat> um, you would ordinarily uh, have, uh, you wouldn't have to have a great deal of knowledge to say to your kids, if you see a gun, you know, call an adult, don't touch it, leave, you know, leave it alone. Uh, and if you've got a toy gun, never point it at anybody, uh, you know, especially if it's a realistic gun. I mean, there some things you could, you don't have to be a wizard, do you? Well, and I would say the, the flip to that is you're, you're trying to imply that common sense. And we all know, we all live in a world where we know common sense is not a common virtue. And we see, even just in the media, so often of guns being pointed at people. Or you look in um, the entertainment industry, I mean, all, all these individuals have guns and they're waving around. And, and that's what makes them cool, right? So you have people who see that, who even if you, you go and watch a movie, right? The hottest action movies, people are blasting people in the face the entire movie. Magazines going everywhere, explosions, people being flown back. It looks really cool. So to just sit there and say, oh, if you see a gun, don't point it at somebody. Well, we, we have, that we, collectively, we have that understanding that, yes, pointy things come out of these guns that hurt people. Uh, don't point it at somebody, but not I wouldn't say that the average individual knows that. I mean, we dealt Pete and I dealt with an academy class uh, a little over a year ago where some of those students, some academy students, had no idea of the four universal safety laws. And Pete and I were like, "Yeah, how wow, did you make we, it to this we, point? This is a problem." Yeah. So, do you have to be a wizard? No. Uh, but you have to, like Pete was saying, you have it to have... It conflicts with a lot of our culture yeah. in America anyway. That common sense where if you see it, don't touch it. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely. You don't need a ton of education to do that. But so many other aspects of our culture uh, contradict that. Megan, um, you know, it's, uh, it's ironic that uh, all these Hollywood actors are so anti-gun and yet so many of their movies... All require them to brandish a firearm. Oh, oh Liam Neeson. Yep. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> uh, we have the advantage of understanding the difference between fantasy and reality. Most kids don't. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's part of the problem here. But the irony of, of the hypocrisy that for a Hollywood actor who's making, you know, $20 million a movie should using... I, should I tell him my sort of canned response about... Yes. yes. Yeah. Always, so I have yes. I have sort of a canned response when it comes to uh, entertainers and athletes and so on when they try to um, instill their moral imperatives it's on the my rest favorite. of us. Um, is this arable? Is my it, first. It is. Okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> engaging the filter to make it arable. Um, <laughs> actors, athletes. Uh, entertainers of that sort their job is to entertain and they make money to do that so to my eyes um th there are another group of indiv individuals who exchange money for types of entertainment and those can usually be found in gentlemen's clubs so <laughs> why am i going to take my advice from someone whose job is to entertain me. I don't want to listen to your opinion. I want you. To, I want to be entertained. So, stop. are you not entertained? Did yeah, you just right? call those actors a yes. bunch of? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Really? Sure did. <laughs> to my to my mind, there's a very close correlation there. That was you, you that exchange was a, a real delicate explanation. Uh -huh. yeah. I want. 
Uh, see, I'm getting better. It's yeah. the dad filter coming in. Uh, <laughs> the unrated version You is exchange yes. entertainment for money. So do that. Stick to that. And uh, I'll take my, my moral, ethical, uh, political advice from people who spend their lives So essentially what you're learnings. calling them is that something similar to that device you use in a rowboat. What yeah. is that? Yeah. Uh, oh, an oar. Yeah. An oar. An yeah. oar. Yeah. yeah. And um, SVK did just text me and said, Dance, monkey, dance. Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> Here's a banana. Uh, Entertain me. For those of you who, who don't know, SVK is uh, Scott Van Kirk, who uh, very often uh, will fill in for me when I can't make it to a gun show uh, on a Saturday morning. Uh, and he does really, really good work. I, 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 I think we should bring him in more often. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, not with his ego. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He yeah. is pretty egotistical. He's uh, already got that big Charlie Brown head. <laughs> If you do, just make sure there's robots in here. Yes, please do. Yeah, well, he you want to see a, him tackle. Uh, he has a he has a, a you know history of fighting robots and winning. I'll and say that. You just knock him over. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All righty then. Um, we've got a couple of other stories in the news that, uh, and I try to highlight a couple of these uh, every week because the anti-gun people pretend that nobody has ever saved themselves or anybody else. With the use of a firearm. All right. I literally have seen the stories where they go, this just doesn't happen. But it does happen. Well, yeah. And uh, I've got a couple of stories that uh, I want to share with listeners about uh, events where it has, in fact, happened. If somebody wants a little more uh, information about Rooster Industries... Thank you, sir. You're a little slow on the uptake there, just pal. A, just a bit. Just I was a bit. Taking care of something else. At okay, the <laughs> but I'll I'll try to be on. Is that on... that funny smile you got on your face? <laughs> what were you taking care of? All right. So <laughs> we do most of our stuff through social media, through Facebook. It's Rooster Industries on Facebook or roosterindustriesllc.com. All right. You're listening to Carry On Guns, ninety-three nine The Eagle. Thirty-five minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. There we go. Is that too soon? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was going to oh, introduce sorry. Megan. Sorry, I'm just trying to be proactive this time. <laughs> Your timing is just a titch off. Uh, Megan, but this will give you an opportunity to hit the button again. Uh, Megan is with us from Black Rifle. They're in Boonville. Uh, so uh, which exit? The middle exit. The second exit. Main Street. Exit 103. <laughs> middle exit or the second exit, whichever comes first. Uh, that will <laughs> that'll bring you right there. Oh no, we didn't confuse anyone with that. No, Never. that's that's perfect. Uh, anyway, uh, then uh, of course we got Pete and Doc. They're in from <laughs> Rooster Industries. Much better. Yeah, see, timing is everything. More better. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, we've I've I've seen these stories constantly from the anti gunners. How it's uh, it just it doesn't happen. Nobody uses a firearm to protect themselves. So every week I try to highlight a story or two. Uh, this one from Virginia Beach. Um, apparently, a, a man uh, opened fire. Um, it, it, this was at a 7-Eleven. And uh, there was uh, two guys who walked in trying to rob the Virginia Beach convenience store. Uh, and there was uh, also a concealed carry permit holder. And guess what he did? He shot both of them. Uh, one of them uh, did not survive. Uh, the other one is uh, in the hospital getting treatment. And uh, the store owner, uh, there's a couple in the store at the time of the shooting, uh, just before 2.30 in the morning, uh, and they called this guy a hero. Uh, police confirmed the man 
uh, who opened fire at a concealed carry uh, permit on him and that the suspects were armed when they entered the 7-Eleven. Uh, earlier that night, there were three armed robberies that police believe are connected. 12.28 a.m., an armed robbery committed at a 7-Eleven on uh, a different road, a different uh, street. Uh, 1 a.m., another one, and again, it's a 7-Eleven. And then around 2 a.m., uh, there was a third one. Police think these guys were involved uh, in the uh, robbery that uh, left one man dead. They also said they took a third person into custody. So here you've got a guy with a concealed carry permit uh, who sees these guys come in with a gun and threatening people, and he stops them. So it does happen. Uh, but wait, there's more. It's not just like a commercial, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, in New Hampshire, uh, an intruder came into the house. Uh, three days after a New Hampshire homeowner opened fire on a stranger who had broken into his home, a similar situation unfolded just a few miles away in the same city. In broad daylight Wednesday afternoon, a man held an attempted burglar at gunpoint while his two children witnessed the entire ordeal. The homeowner said that he was pulling into his driveway. Uh, his young children in the car saw a stranger standing on his porch. I don't know who he is. I don't know his intentions. And I don't know why he's there, said the homeowner. Uh, once uh, he realized that the man was trying to break into his home and steal his kids' bikes, he pulled his gun. He carries it all the time. Well, he's never before had to use it for protection. He says this is exactly why he has it. Because you never know who's going to do you harm. You know, it's interesting. Two things interesting here. And I don't know if you guys caught it, but the one was... Uh, that he carries it all the time because he never knows. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Not because he wants to go out looking for trouble. Not because he wants to be John Wayne, uh, you know, killing the bad guys. But because he knows he doesn't know. He doesn't know when somebody's going to accost him. Second thing is, the guy was breaking into the home. He didn't shoot the guy. He just held him at gunpoint. Uh, and I'm curious to see what you guys think about that. We'll kind of go right around the table, Doc. Well, I think the <clears throat> excuse me. I think the the first thing to note is um, we tell Pete and I. We tell our students all the time. You, you don't get to choose your fight. You don't get to choose when your fight's going to happen. We tell the academy students, but when it happens, you you have to be ready. Uh, maybe he did. Maybe this was a day that this gentleman didn't wasn't carrying his gun. He comes in. He comes home. Somebody's trying to break in. He has the choice to either do something with hands and feet and anything else he can find, which isn't going to be as effective, or he can drive away and then maybe that criminal gets in. And um, but he was prepared and he showed that restraint. He didn't have to kill the guy. Uh, he showed that restraint. He protected his kids. And I think he did He did a great job. All right, Pete, you're driving home. You're just about to pull in the driveway. You see somebody trying to break into your house. Your kids are in the car. Do you call the police? Do you do what this guy did? Uh, there's, there's only one question I have that will determine the outcome of my answer, and that is, is there a loved one, a family member, a friend inside the house? And if I know that the answer is no, I put the car in reverse, I dial 911, I drive away. There is nothing in that house that is worth my life, my children's lives, or the suspect's life. And that's a key point that 
I think needs to be brought up when we talk about the defensive use of firearms. The goal is to preserve life. The, the firearm is a tool that when used effectively with a aggressive attitude and an a demonstration of the willingness to use overwhelming force can often diffuse a situation just like the guy with the uh, burglar on his porch and preserve life. The, the goal is to make the aggressor give up. Megan, I like that line. The, yeah. it, it, when you... When you hear the left talk about firearms, it's always they're there just to kill people. No. Uh, but what yeah, Pete no. just said is it, it's really on. there to yeah. save lives. It's, it's to preserve my life. It's to preserve my family's life. And quite frankly, uh, coming from uh, myself with combat experience and, and firsthand experience in taking human life uh, while I was in the Marine Corps, um, I'd never want to do it again. And I certainly don't want to do it to a total stranger that I've never met before. So if I can use that verbal aggression, uh, that body language, that, that real good aggressive skill set, and the presence of a firearm to preserve, even if the guy is a total scumbag, I still don't want to kill him if I can avoid it. You know, um, PTSD, we don't talk about it very often. We uh, we're actually we going to talk about it twice today. Uh, the first time is right now. Because I think that if you're a concealed carry permit holder and you have to use that firearm uh, and you haven't been mentally prepared, mm -hmm. you're going to relive that for years to come. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So, that at the same time. Yeah, that's good. It's you like we've are, talked about this before. Could be. A couple be. times. <laughs> you know, Megan, you could have come alone. Oh, I wait know. a minute. You did. Wah, <laughs> <laughs> wah. She All claims right. us. That's so. True. So, uh, how do you prepare yourself mentally for that? Uh, the first step is a good trainer. Uh, yeah. Like what Doc and I do, we dedicate a huge portion of our training time to uh, mindset, survival mm -hmm. mindset, combat mindset, and how to mentally prepare and mentally survive uh, before, during, and after critical incidents like that. Yeah, I mean, that's the way that I was able to get that mindset is working with you guys, working with Brandon and Tim and everybody. That's that's a heck of a first step to get there. It takes a lot for a lot of people, but you need it. And it's something that I, I think a lot of trainers uh, gloss over. They mention mm -hmm. the existence of PTSD and follow-on psychological effects after a shooting, but they really don't go into a ton of detail. Uh, they don't go into a ton of detail of what happens during the event, what sort of mental effects you can experience during the event, auditory exclusion, tunnel vision, loss of fine motor control, um, you know, sympathetic nervous system reactions, and so on and so forth. Um, they may not touch on any of that at all, um, and then they may say, yeah, you may want to talk to somebody after the shooting. Well, okay, fine. What, what can you expect? What are the symptoms of PTSD uh, so that you can sort of self-diagnose and self-identify, have your loved ones keep an eye on you, and if you do start experiencing those symptoms, you go talk to somebody. It's not a natural state for people to kill other people. Correct. And it's, it, uh, as Eric, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the military has to work pretty hard in many cases Oh, yeah. Uh, to train guys and gals to kill other human beings. Yeah. It, it, uh, for very few people does it come naturally. And as me being a corpsman with the Marines, um, whenever I saw that 
coming too naturally, it always kind of an alarm bell made a lot of red flags stand up and i pay, i would pay extra attention to that individual i would talk to that individual more i would let our chain of command know that hey we maybe need to take so and so off patrol for a is day, it like a, a psychological so. problem uh, if you yeah i mean the difference uh, between it coming too naturally and um socio being a sociopath right. is a very fine line yeah uh and and there, uh, I experienced it in my unit. Doc experienced it in his guys that we had to take off combat patrols. We actually took all of their live ammo away from them because it was coming too natural. Um, they were they were enjoying it a little too much, and it does happen. It's not often, it's not frequent, um, but it is frequent enough that you can sort of see the indicators and you're aware of what can potentially go wrong with someone. And usually we do something else with them with, you know, put them on guard duty up in a tower or something like that, yeah. where they can still contribute to the mission, but they're not actively taking a role in combat. All right, so uh, Megan is with us from Black Rifle. She brought in Pete and Doc from Rooster Industries. There. He, he gone now. There, yeah, finally. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, so we're going to talk about PTSD again because of some federal legislation uh, and we'll do that next. Gary on Guns, 93.9 Eagle. 51 minutes after the hour. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. Megan is in from Black Rifle. And uh, she brought in two neat firearms. Uh, we're going to talk about those in the next hour. Uh, Pete and Doc are on board from uh, Rooster Industries. Hey, he's back. Yeah, it's another rooster. Um, <laughs> I can imagine people listening that just, you know, their alarms set. Yeah, and right. It goes off and that happens. And, and boy. Um, all right, so uh, we're talking about PTSD, and there is some new federal legislation that's been introduced. Uh, yeah. Which one of you guys knows? Megan knows. Kind of. I oh, see. <laughs> that's why we brought Megan along. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why yeah, I'm here. That's why. Just for this. Yeah, not, not to promote Black Rifle. No. Not to let them know about all these great firearms. No, at not at all. Go ahead. All right, so the the big concern that we've seen within the last year is everything coming out of the red flag laws where you know law enforcement can go in and confiscate your firearms without due process um and the big thing in that has been okay if you can go to your law enforcement agency and say this guy there's something wrong with him. He's emotionally disturbed. He may hurt himself or others. Could be a family member. Could be a yeah, relative. Could, could be a, a, anybody. a neighbor. Yeah. Um, big thing being, you can pull the, well, he's a veteran. He has PTSD. So that's been one very big concern. Because um, that could be, you know, one way that you can disarm a very large population is just pull the, well, they're a veteran, so they're a danger to themselves. Um, and... Just this week, a 2017 DOD report came out that stated two-thirds of suicides among active-duty personnel were by firearms, um, most of them being personally owned, not service weapons. So that's another tool in that arsenal to use against service members, whether active or prior, that they're a danger to themselves. We need to take guns from them. Um, and... Just after that, there have been two, two bills in the House that have been introduced, the Veterans Second Amendment Protection Act, and the other one, I don't know the name of, more or less is trying to prevent that from happening and prevent um, 
veterans service records and health records going to law enforcement or even the FBI background check system to try and protect that because you know you would think that the second amendment itself would be doing that but or you know HIPAA yeah 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 that's interesting HIPAA bringing that up but uh in, and I and I can see the value of these uh, uh, PTSD and, and protecting veterans. And and I understand why they're passing red flag laws, but I just I don't think they're going to be particularly effective, at actually stopping the the people who are most likely to be a problem. There have already been sheriffs. Um, I know there was one county in Texas that was starting to enforce red flag laws until they had multiple deputies get shot and the sheriff said absolutely not no more we're not putting everybody's lives in danger wait a minute deputies are being shot by whom homeowners homeowners if you're getting a knock on your door at 5 a.m on a sunday and it's some pd officer saying i'm here to take your guns something could happen Something yeah. has happened multiple times. There was yeah. another case in Oregon. Uh, a, a municipality went to serve a red flag law on a resident in Oregon, and the resident refused to comply, and law enforcement shot and killed him. Yeah, there's one in the Northeast where he actually answered the door early morning and saw that it was law enforcement, set his firearm down, let Ellie in, and they stated why they were there, and he said, absolutely not went to move said firearm away from them, they took it as a threat and killed him. So, there really is nothing you can do about somebody who kind of goes off the deep end. Um, In most cases, uh, maybe in some, but in most cases, uh, preemptory strikes don't work, do they? I don't agree with that. I don't think that there is nothing you can do. We have seen time and time again where if the... uh, reporting systems that are already in place if you make a report to law enforcement um we've seen time and time again where if it's followed up on correctly it has positive results uh there was the case in was it the parkland shooting where that individual had been reported mm-hmm. well, they used to, dozens of times i just heard yeah. that they they patted him down every time he came to school out of fear that he might have a weapon and so how did no one follow up on that? I mean, the number of interactions he had with law enforcement and, and so many people dropped the ball, so many people I'm pretty failed. sure that even made it up to the FBI twice. It did. Yeah, yeah but at the same time, it, 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 isn't, is that the exception to the rule? Yeah. That somebody is that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Negligent, yes. Uh, most of the time, when cases like this are reported, the outcome is pretty positive. Um, the thing I don't like about red flag laws is that there there is no due process and there, in most cases, is no good legal pathway to overcome that afterwards. Well, and, and the thing is with the the reported claims that actually do go through that are followed up on, they're substantiated claims. Yeah. There yeah. is legitimate reason and very likely some proof of why someone may need assistance may need help and in and almost not just he every said, she case said. yeah and in almost every case there is uh, a history of diagnosed mental disorder uh, homicidal or suicidal ideations where a physician has been has been uh, addressing this problem they're on medication or maybe they should be and they're not taking it um, and in that case it's not that hard to get a judge to sign off 
on those rules that say you have now been deemed uh, adjudicated mentally defective is the is the legal term for it. And in that case, you are then a prohibited possessor. You're not allowed to possess firearms. But if you're if you're uh, you know half bubble off plum, uh, whatever, however you want to phrase it, uh, and uh, they tell you that you can't go into uh, a, a, a licensed gun dealer and buy a firearm. Yeah, but uh, you know the guy down the street may have a firearm that he wants to sell. Or I bump into somebody in a beer joint who says, and I've seen this happen at Nolan's mm-hmm. uh, decades ago. Uh, a guy had a, a thirty-eight revolver, and he's talking about selling it. There's another guy at the bar who said, you know, uh, I could use a firearm uh, for self-protection. Maybe I'll buy it. And they work out a deal, and they, and they make the trade. Now, that, that does not change the fact that that may have been a prohibited possessor. Right. And so if they are then caught, if, the, if they are then reported by someone as, hey, I'm this guy's neighbor. I'm pretty sure he's not allowed to own guns, but I see him walking in and out of his house carrying range bags and gun cases all the time. Yeah, it's but worrying. Yeah, see that, I don't think that happens. Then I police think, I think have a, a pathway. Yeah, and I, I think what happens, though, is the bad guy gets this gun uh, that he somehow, you know, somebody he knows or somebody uh, sells him, uh, the firearm, uh, and then he goes off the deep end. He just takes it somewhere and starts shooting people. There's no, there's no, there's no way to prevent that. Sure there is. Carry every day. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's you know that's great for uh, for you and I and and probably most of our listeners, uh, but it doesn't stop the guy from just going off the deep end uh, and start shooting. Correct, I but I don't. In that case, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think there is anything that can prevent those type of psychotic breaks, those type of mental breakdowns that can lead to that event, other than very very close monitoring of your mental health. All right, we got some questions about having uh, a marijuana prescription in Missouri and firearms, uh, owning a firearm. We'll talk about that next. Gary on Guns, 93.9 The 